Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of The Addict's Unintelligible Truth. My name's Alex and this is... I'm Taylor. And we wanted to go ahead and start off by saying thank you so much for all the support you've shown us on Facebook, Instagram, all your likes, shares, follows. It's meant a lot to us. It's so nice to see the community rallying behind us and even some of the people that we've never even met before. Your support is very... What am I trying to say? <laughs> Your support is appreciated. Very much appreciated. And since you are here right now and you are listening to this, it is the best time for us to take care of a couple of disclaimers. We're definitely not your local D.A.R.E. program. Um, we are unfiltered, uncensored, very honest, and very raw. But I think you guys already knew that. Period. So without further ado, um, I think on this episode, we're going to do my story, right? Yes. Um, and then the next episode, you guys will have to tune in because it's going to be all about Taylor. Taylor's version. Yeah. Now, so let's, let's begin. Begin. Alex, how are you today? I'm all right. I feel like today is a good day. It's a good day. The weather's nice. The sun's been out all day. It's not too cold. I am extremely grateful we didn't get snow and last night. Yeah, I was about to say, it said we were supposed to get snow last night, and thank God we didn't, because the groundhog would have been lying. Yeah, and we don't like that. Mm -mm. Liars not allowed. That is a big truth. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with groundhogs. <laughs> um, let's start from the very beginning. How would you describe your childhood? Um, so my childhood was very normal for most people. Mm -hmm. Um, we were a family of five. It's my mom, my stepdad, me, my stepsister, and then they turned it into we, and they had Chase. Here's mine and ours. Yes. Um, we were very tight knit. Um, even with my grandparents, we were very tight knit with them mm -hmm. too. More so with my Papa Jack. Yeah. But, I mean, we always went out to my mammal Becky's too, but Papa Jack because he lived here in Mitchell. Mm -hmm. um, as a matter of fact, me and my sister could walk there if we wanted to. You know, I mean, even at the age of six, we would always try to say, oh, we're running away. We're and running. Just, yeah, pack a suitcase and just go there. We're going to Papa. <laughs> yeah, and they'd say, okay, you guys go ahead with that. Have mm -hmm. fun. Just, just go. Just go. <laughs> yeah. Be going. And um, I was always involved with church. And with my sports, I played softball, basketball, volleyball. Um, unfortunately, I only stuck with softball until high school. But, I mean, that's a different story for a different day. We will cover that day one day. Yes, we will. <laughs> um, aside from that, though, I mean, there wasn't anything bad about my childhood. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't ever have to worry about if our electric was going to be shut off. Because yeah. my parents always made sure that the kids were good. Mm -hmm. We never had to worry about us not getting presents on Christmas yeah. or on our birthdays or anything like that. Um, and we felt loved, too. Mm -hmm. Which, growing up, it's like, you take that for granted. Because there's a lot of kids out there that you don't know about that don't have their parents sitting there coddling them or, you know, telling them that they're proud of them. Yep. And I did have that, you know, my mom would always make sure to tell me that she was proud of me, no matter what it was. I mean, if it was just for getting an A on a test, she always made sure to tell me that she was proud of me. And my grandpa, anytime I'd go over to his house, he'd always be like, what'd you learn at school today? And I'd say nothing. I'd be like, I didn't learn anything. And he's like, I find that hard to believe you spent eight hours at school and didn't learn anything. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Okay, my boy. But, you know, whenever you're growing up, you don't realize that other kids don't have that. Mm -hmm. And that's sad. Yeah. 
Very sad. Um, so, I feel like we're going to do a little bit of a jump here, but it is just to get to know you. Mm-hmm. How old were you the first time you had an experience with drugs? I think I was 14, and my sister, because she would have been 16, and mm-hmm. she had her license. Um, mm-hmm. Big shit. I know, right? <laughs> Why is there a thumbs down on there? That was so good. <laughs> um, it was that. with my sister. I was 14. Um, I think we were supposed to be getting our hair cut or something like that, <laughs> but we were on the back roads between Mitchell and Orleans, and... Uh, See another thumbs down. Whatever. Whatever. Screw you. We were on the back roads between Mitchell and Orleans, and my sister, she had weed. Ooh. And I was like, let me try that, you know, <laughs> trying to be all cool for my sister. You want to fit in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, I didn't inhale it because I didn't know that you're supposed to inhale it. So, I was just kind of like one of those, you know, you put it in your mouth and you just slowly yeah. let it out. You know what I mean? Oh, just yeah. to try and make it and my mom it's like she knew or something it was like divine intervention because she ended up calling me to talk and you know i'm giggle boxing it like ha 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 she's like what are you laughing about and i was like oh just a joke jackie told me and she's like what was the joke and i was like oh i don't remember it now matter of fact i can't remember yeah and that was the first time that i ever smoked weed or did any sort of drug um, and that was the last time until I turned, you know, 18. <laughs> you said, I'm good for now. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Anything maybe that could have gave you like a telltale sign that one day you'd be interested in branching out from your average, you know what I mean? Like instead of being in like the family and my sports and, and your stuff, sports yeah. and church, um, Honestly, I don't think that, so let's just put myself like in the headspace I was at like 19 or 18, because that's whenever I honestly started using. Um, If you would have asked me at 18 years old, five years ago, before that, so I would have been 13, um, would I ever see myself being a drug addict? No. Mm -hmm. It would have never even crossed my mind because, I mean, my mom, she always taught us to you know, steer clear of those things or, um, always chase your dreams, but not to, um, get involved with people that you shouldn't be. Yeah. Don't go to places that you feel is wrong. Listen to your gut. Yep. And, um, I clearly didn't listen to that. Was your mom the kind of mom who was like, Hey, I can tell right now this person's bad for you. Yeah, for sure. She was always like that. Um, She always called out my friends. Or she didn't call out my friends, but she would call them out to me. Yeah. She'd be like, "Um, they're definitely not a good influence for you. You don't need to place yourself with those people. You're higher than that. Mm -hmm. Hold yourself to a higher standard. And um, at the time, I thought she was just trying to control me. Yeah. Looking back now, it's more like, Damn. she was right. Yeah. Mom, mom knew. Mom was right. Mom See, I feel that way, like, as a mom myself. Like, sometimes Kendrick has friends, and I'm like, buddy, I feel like that's the kind of kid who's going to get you in trouble. Yeah. My mom wasn't really like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's always, like, refreshing to hear that, like, someone had a parent who was like, well, save yourself. And to be honest, like me and her, we were just talking about this the other day. We always referred to her, or at least I did, as a helicopter parent. It was like she always, she always knew what I was up to. 
she always had to know. I always had to check in. Mm-hmm. And usually, I mean, when I was growing up, of course, like if I wasn't home, I was at my grandparents or I was at church. Yep. Um, or I was at like softball games, volleyball games, whatever game that I had going on that day. Like Balls. I was involved in sports and, and extracurriculars and stuff like that. So it's not like she ever had to worry that I was with the wrong crowd growing up. Mm-hmm. It was just after high school ended, she had to really start worrying about yep. me. And, like, whenever I graduated, obviously, you know, I graduated midterm. Mm -hmm. And instantly, I went to USI. And um, I was there for a semester, and I was homesick the entire time. Mm -hmm. And that's why I didn't end up re-enlisting for a second semester there, because I was like, I'm too homesick for this. Like, I just miss my friends. I miss my family. And my mom, of course, didn't agree with that. She's like, if you're coming home, you're getting a job. Full-time job. A full-time job, which, mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't consider Arby's to be a full-time job, but, When you you're know. 19 and you're working 30 hours a week. Right. Well, and plus, in high school, whenever I had that job, I'm like, damn, I'm making all this money. And, I mean, in reality, it wasn't much, no. but it was a lot to me. When you're a teenager, you're like, fuck yeah, $300 a week. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it was like every two weeks at that point, but yeah. <laughs> Still worth being excited for. <laughs> yeah. $300 is a lot. <laughs> Especially when you ain't got any bills. Amen. <laughs> do you think that your homesickness during your semester at college, do you think that kind of is what led you into using once you got back? Do you, like, do you think maybe subconsciously you were looking for a reason to stay home other than just, like, I don't want to go back to school? Well, I don't know that it was, like, the reason or, like, the thing that make, made me want to use drugs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I definitely just think that homesick was because, in all honesty, we lived, like, a sheltered life. You know, my mom always made sure to uh, teach us right and wrong. Yeah. And um, was my mom was and is my best friend. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just really hard being away from her because, you know, growing up, of course, I had my stepdad. Yeah. But it was like he was my stepdad. I mean... Growing up, obviously, I just called him dad because he was my dad. I don't know my real dad. He was there for you. He was there for me. But, like, me and mom, we just had this special relationship. And it's just, like, I missed her. Mm -hmm. And I hated being two hours away and in a different time zone at that. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, they're an hour um, behind us. Oh, God. Yeah. That makes phone calls. But it was nice whenever I would come home on Fridays or I'd come home over the weekends and then I'd have an early morning class on Monday, mm-hmm. and I would be able to leave here, you know, on our time, like what time, it it would have been like an hour difference down there, right? Yeah. So, I would leave here an hour later than what I would need to, because... The time made the it The time, yeah. Boom. So, I mean, that was like a good part about it. Yeah. But I also think that at college, I really didn't try to reach out to people, didn't try to make new friends down there. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, let's be honest, you're a freshman at a new school. A big one at that. A big one, yeah. And yeah. it's hard making friends. I mean, and don't get me wrong, I'm a people person, but college is such a culture shock, especially whenever you come from Little Mitchell, Indiana. Yeah, you're used to 300 kids in a school. Yeah, and you're... Your high school shares with the junior high, so it's like... You know everything that's happening by yeah, everybody all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could be a senior and know what's going on in the junior high. Literally. Yeah. You go to college, though, and it's like, oh, I don't know you. I don't know you. Yeah. 
I don't know you either, you know? Yeah. I, mm-hmm. That's why I did not. Like, I, obviously, I dropped out, but, like, I, the idea of leaving hometown just sucks. Mm-hmm. There's not much here, you no. know? But it's still home. It's like a little bubble. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a nice bubble. It's a bubble I don't want to leave. <laughs> yeah. Same. Same. I mean, I can say I don't like this place all the time, but in all honesty, I couldn't imagine living anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Like, just a big city doesn't seem like the place for me. <laughs> yeah, like, we, you know, we go to Bloomington sometimes to hang out, and it's like, that's a little much for me. It's yeah. too big up there, there's too many people. I like my little... You have to town. pay for your parking there. Why? You ain't gotta do it here. I like just pulling over and parking somewhere. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> don't, literally. Don't take my money. <laughs> Good. Do you think the people you hung out with, the friends you had, played, like, an influential role on you trying other shit, or... Do you think your own curiosity would have got you to it first? Oh, no. For sure, it was definitely the people that I surrounded myself with. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have never touched any of the drugs that I did had I not been hanging out with the crowd that I was. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, the people that I was hanging out with before I met these other people, I mean, they were kids from high school that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and they never wandered down that path. Yeah. Um. But it was definitely whenever I came back from USI, I was like, I'm going to send a hangout with friends. Mm-hmm. And that led me to one in particular friend who had all kinds of other friends that were already involved in drugs. Um, and, you know, it it went from weed to other things real quick. Yeah, it's not easy to sit in a room full of people who are doing, you know, pills, meth, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and not have the urge to try or just not want to, you know? Yeah, I mean, and half the time, so, like, obviously, I started out with weed, but whenever I was in my pill stage, it wasn't, it didn't even have to be in a room. I mean, we were in vehicles. Yeah. Thinking that we were so cool hanging out. Oh, we're 20 miles out of town. We're avoiding the cops. Yeah, no, and it's nothing like that, you know? So, yeah, I definitely think that it was the group of people I was hanging out with. Yeah. That led me into it. Do you think that, well, do you think at any point, like, it was a pressure kind of thing? Do you think if you would have sat there and been like, no, I don't want to fuck with this, that they would have been like, oh, you're a pussy, get the fuck out? Or do you think they would have been like, oh, it's fine, just sit there and watch us get high? Oh, I think that they definitely would have been like, oh, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to do it. Nobody held a gun to my head and said, hey, you have to do these drugs. Yeah. Um, it was definitely all my decision. Um, yeah, it was definitely just more of like, I kind of wanted to fit in. Mm-hmm. So I did. <laughs> I did what I had to do. Yeah, I, I did what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you... I feel like I didn't ask this the first time we tried to record. Do you regret your time in addiction? Like, think about that honestly. Think I don't think that I regret it. I mean, I regret what it did to, like, my relationships with my family and with my friends. Yeah. Um, but I don't regret having to go through it because it literally shaped me into the person I am now. Um, it gave me an insight as to how hard it really is for other addicts to get clean and um, I was able to put myself in their shoes rather than just being, oh, they're just another addict. Oh, just a fucking crackhead. Yeah, they're just a crackhead. Um, nobody cares about them. Mm-hmm. Let them rot in jail. Because that's not the case. There's people out there that actually care about you. Yeah. And 
just like any other addict out there, they have family members too that read all the hateful comments. Yep. That see all the shares on Facebook and all the things that people are saying about them. And like, whenever I got arrested, it was like, oh, I didn't expect that from you. You were so perfect in school, blah, 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 blah. And I was the furthest thing from perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I got good grades and I did all these extracurriculars did not mean that I was perfect by any means. Everybody's got a little yeah, something. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean... I was just like any other typical teenager. No, I wasn't partying. Yeah. But I was just like anybody else, you know. And going back to like my addiction, it's like had I not gone through that, I wouldn't be able to help other people mm-hmm. the way that I am now. I've had other addicts reach out to me before and they just need somebody to talk to that relates to them. Yeah, just somebody who gets it. Yeah, and actually cares about them and not just something that's like, well, maybe you should just go to rehab. See ya. Yeah. You know? I actually want to listen to their story and be able to help them. See, so. that there's a need for people like that in the world. Yeah. Now, you spoke about getting arrested. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like it is a good time to talk about your drug of choice because you didn't get arrested for that, did you? No. So, whenever I got arrested, it was on a... Actually, I got a few charges. Um, it was... Possession of marijuana, possession of paraphernalia, which was the bowl that I smoked the weed out of. Um, And then I got an OWI, my operating while intoxicated. And then they added on an endangering thing on there. But there was nobody in the car with me and nobody else was on the streets at that time. Yeah. So I don't know where that went, but they ended up dropping that charge. Um, They just kept the OWI. Um, And then I got a fleeing charge. Because I fled from the police like a complete idiot. She's a runner. She's a <laughs> No running. Just whipping it in my little car. She's a NASCAR Whipped driver. it so hard. In fact, I went up over the curb in front of the pool in Bedford. And, you know, oh. <laughs> it's funny now, but it wasn't funny at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Rock um, bottom's always funnier a couple years later. Yeah. My drug years. of choice, though, was meth. Um, a lot of people don't know that. And if you do, it's because you either did it with me or I've told you about it. I've told you about my story because I have no secrets. I don't hide anything from anybody. Like if you want to know, come up and ask me. I'm an open book. Yep. So that was my drug of choice. And at the time I thought, oh, well, I'm not addicted. I can quit whenever. Yep. <laughs> That's how it gets you. It does. You start, you do it a couple times with your friends. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's fine. And you do it by yourself yep the whole time you're lying to yourself uh, yeah mm-hmm. was getting arrested your rock bottom or do you think you had a moment before that um there was quite a few times I felt like I was at my rock bottom mm-hmm. whenever I was using pretty much whenever uh I didn't like I knew that I could always go home yeah but I didn't want to go home because I wouldn't be able to do what I was doing then yeah um so I think that Jill was for sure, my rock bottom. Um, and honestly, it saved me, too, at the same time. A lot of people can't say that, but it's all about your mindset whenever you go into jail. Yep. It's If you want to get clean and stay clean and while you're in jail, stay away from the people that you know are getting drugs snuck in there. Or they don't take their medicine whenever they're supposed to, whenever mm-hmm. the nurses come by or whatever. Um, you just It's all about your mind space. Yeah, you have to want it. Yeah. You can't. You can't want the idea. You have to want the action. Yeah, and for sure. A lot of people abuse jail, mm-hmm. but I'm glad for you it worked. Yeah. Because not everybody needs rehab, you know? No. No. In all honesty, 
rehab, a lot of the rehabs, not going to name any of them, but a lot of them are very much so just all about themselves They're and right. the money that the person brings in. And that is what pisses me off because I hate people bragging about said people's accomplishments. And I'm like, okay, you might have opened this business, but it is ran off of the money of someone's loved one, mm-hmm. their problems, their addictions. I can't stand it. Yeah. I'm not a rehab person. And then they keep them addicted so they stay there longer. Mm-hmm. They, and that's more bank for them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's why we didn't do rehab. Like, it was just, it's a money pit. Mm-hmm. And sometimes jail is too. A lot of people abuse that part of the legal system. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have to pay for rehab, they can just go to jail. Mm-hmm. But if you're not going into jail for the right thing, or if you're not going in there with the mind, right headspace, yeah, it's not. It's gonna not going to work for you. You, you have just... to want to be better. Yeah, always. Mm-hmm. I agree. What kind of relationship strains did addiction cause you? Like with your mom, you guys are really close. Mm-hmm. I know how close they are. How did that affect you, your guys' relationship? So, addiction put a lot of strain on pretty much all of my relationships. So, for instance, since you asked about my mom, I'll go into that. Um, you know, like I said, we were always very close. Mm-hmm. Whenever I was growing up, she was and is my best friend. Um, but whenever I was in active addiction, um, I don't. I didn't think my mom knew right off the bat. Mm-hmm. She tells me she did, but I don't think she knew right off the bat. Um, but it didn't take her long to catch up. You know what I mean? Um, But it got to the point to where, you know, she was letting me live with her. But I would continue to choose to go hang out with these guys um, that I knew had the drugs. Mm -hmm. Um, They would come pick me up from my mom's house. And um, she would literally have to sit there and watch me choose to leave with them versus staying home with her. Yeah. And that killed her. At the time, I was just like, whatever. Like, it's no big deal. You're I'm just fine. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, you'll get over it. Um, but she didn't get over it. Mm-hmm. She ended up telling me, you know, you're not allowed back at this house. Um, you're not allowed back here to see your brother. You're not allowed to come to any more family things. Um, so that meant no more going over to my grandpa's for breakfast. No more going over to his house for dinners. Um, no more birthday celebrations with them. I mean, I got cut off. It, it honestly felt like how the Amish cut off people or yeah, shun people. Just, That's honestly sure. how it was. Um, but I knew that she still loved me. Yeah. But at the time, I was pissed at her. Yeah, because when you're high, you're not thinking. You know? No. I was just like, why are you putting me through this? Why are you preventing me from getting high? Literally. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, at the time, she was just trying to help me. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see it that way. It's the biggest smack to your own face mm-hmm. once you sober up and you sit back and you're like oh my god they just wanted what was best for me oh my gosh yeah like especially now um you know just reading different articles in the paper mm-hmm. or on wbiw and i literally every time i read one i call my mom and i'm like i am so sorry for all i put you through i'm so sorry like now i finally see yeah why you did what you did i understand your tough love yeah completely Completely. It's and tough love is always better than enabling. Mm-hmm. And that is one thing a lot of people don't understand because they think, Oh well, I just wanna help you. I just want I know you're sick right now, like let me help you, but you baby the addict, you bury the addict. Yep. Plain and simple. Yep. Doesn't get any more straight to the point mm-hmm. than that. What 
was there any specific action or moment that caused you, because you said, you know, like, I can stop whenever I want. Mm -hmm. Was there any moment that made you go, holy fuck, I cannot stop right now. I am an addict. Yeah. So let's go back to when I got arrested. I was in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, I was only in there for a couple of days. And then I had video court with the judge. And he ended up giving me or letting me out on my own recognizance. And, um, you know, said, come back at this date. You're going to have court. And so I did. We went to court. And I got put on probation for 363 days. Yeah. Not quite a year, but... Just barely. (laughs) Right. So, I got put on probation. So, I got arrested in February of 2016. Mm -hmm. I got put on probation in July, June or July of 2016. And then, um, from there, I was, you know, to be on probation for 363 days. Well, I ended up getting a PTR in the midst of that. Not one, but two. The first one was in June. No, was in May of 2017. Um, And they just ended up giving me community service. Yep. And which was at a thrift store. So whatever, you know. Everybody has those days. Right. (laughs) So I did my community service and which in order for them to even decide if you're going to get community service or go to jail, they sit you down in this room with all of the heads of the probation Mm -hmm. committee and you basically tell them everything and they decide right there if you're going to get probation or if you're going to, or if you're going to get community service or if you're going to go back to jail. Yeah. They ended up giving me the community service. At that point I was still like, I'm not addicted. I can quit whenever I want. Yep. Well, the second time I got a PTR, it was in July, and it was definitely whenever I was like, okay, I have an issue. I need to straighten up. Something is going on here. Yeah, considering the fact that for whenever I got arrested with my PTR the second time, you know, I was at work, Mm -hmm. and my grandpa had came and picked me up to take me to my probation meeting, and my mamma Becky had met us there, and... I go inside and I'm sitting and I'm talking to my grandma because, you know, they your probation officer comes out and gets you and takes you back. Yeah. So I get back to his office and before I even get in there, I see two Bedford police officers waiting on me outside the door. <laughs> and my probation officer goes, do you think you passed your piss test? And I said, no, honestly, I don't think I did. Honesty is the best policy. Yeah. I mean, there was no point in lying. I knew that the it was going to be a bad Yes. anyway. So he's like, all right, go ahead and stand up. And then that's whenever the police officers came in. They put me in cuffs right there. And then they walked me out. And my grandma was still sitting in that waiting room. So she literally had to watch me with my hands behind my back be dragged out of there Mm -hmm. and taken to jail. And she just kept looking at me and saying, I don't understand I don't understand why is this going on. And I, all I could say was, it's going to be okay. Um, call mom and go and tell Papal Jack that I'm not coming back out there and that he needs to go home. And that was whenever I was like, this is the issue. If my grandparents are witnessing me being arrested yeah. and taken back to jail, this is a bigger issue than what I could ever think that it was. Mm-hmm. Because who wants to sit there and see their grandma crying over them in handcuffs? Nobody. I, that makes you feel about this big. Yeah, I, I made my grandma cry one time when I was a kid, and 
obviously I'm 25 and I still think about it to this day. Yeah. So I can only imagine how hard that was, like, on you and her. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I see the image in my head. Even to this day, I can see it. Like, just see her sitting right there in that seat. Are you got has your guys' relationship improved since you've gotten clean? Yeah, but I don't think that our relationship was ever damaged. Really? Yeah. Um Mammal Becky, you were one of my biggest enablers, but I love you dearly. I just have to tell you, you were my biggest enabler. I mean, I know in your heart of hearts that you thought that you were just helping me, but anytime I asked you for money, you should have just said no. Um I was not in the right headspace to even be asking you for those things. And I hate that I ever had to put you through that. But but at the end of the day, enabling is enabling. And yeah. A lot of times when families experience addiction, it is a family affair when the rehab portion comes. You know, yeah. a lot of family members have to go to their own version of rehab, which I'm sure it's still just rehab, mm -hmm. but still they have to go learn how to say no to things like that. Cause it is very hard when you yeah. have, you know, your child, your grandchild in front of you being like, can I have $20? Yeah. Because you're like, yeah, sure. You look like you haven't ate in a couple days. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that should have been like my biggest giveaway was the fact that I was dropping weight like that. Yeah. And obviously my mom realized that, but mm -hmm. I mean, everybody else was just oblivious to it, I guess, or at least I thought that they were. Yeah, you see, that's the thing, too. Everybody who's on shit is like, oh, nobody notices. Nobody knows. Nobody can tell. Yeah. I look like I haven't been out of a cave in three years, but <laughs> nobody can tell. I haven't looked like I haven't showered or anything. It's fine. The grease makes my hair healthy. <laughs> right. That's what I right. tell myself all the time. Yeah. Do you think that getting sober, I mean, obviously, is the best thing that's ever happened to you. For sure. But do you think that getting sober changed your life? completely or do you think that like it just opened the door for better if that makes sense to you I think that getting sober just it made me put different glasses on honestly mm -hmm. I saw life through a whole different yeah like thing I mean it's the things that you take for granted mm -hmm. um I still had all my grandparents here yeah. and um Definitely getting sober opens your eyes. Oh, yeah. Because life is very short mm -hmm. and it's unforgiving. If you listen to this, we just want to say thank you. Um, this is not where it ends. Obviously, we're releasing another episode after this one. Mm -hmm. And we have so much more planned. We have so many ideas. We already have interviews set up for more episodes with our families, our friends, other things I can't talk about, but I'm so excited for you to see. So thank you for listening, and I can't wait for you to hear episode two. See ya! Peace!